Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, hope you continue to enjoy the front row because we certainly enjoy bringing it to you. And we bring it to you commercial free courtesy of the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us talk about it. It's a great deal. Football season is uh, ticking ever closer. I know the countdowns are going. Uh, they've got a half season ticket package on sale if you want to test drive the champion, the Dunlap Champions Club, which means you get to choose either the Miami or Louisville games and then any two of the remaining four games. Maybe more importantly, before you make that decision, call the boosters, set up an arrangement, go by. If you have been there go by and check it out you're going to be impressed with the facilities and uh, i guarantee you if you go through the tour you're probably going to sign up real quick 850-583-9066 line one to uh, buy your ticket schedule a private tour there's misters going in we know the first uh, couple games are night games so you won't have to deal with the sun you get unlimited soft drinks and food it's a good deal so check out the dunlap champions club and we tip our cap to them now with that said here's the front row Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Front Row. Tom and KJ back with you for a very special edition of the front row. If I'm on vacation, how am I here? Also known as we're on vacation, we're not here, so this is the best of the front row. But I'm still here. It's the magic of technology. Wow. There's even an ACC network coming soon. Wow. Two years. Hey, we're going to uh, spend the next hour looking ahead to the 2017 football season with some of the uh, the best interviews we had this spring. I was not here for one of them, which is probably why it was so good, but you had a chance to talk with Phil Steele a couple weeks ago, and Phil Steele is an absolute encyclopedia. And even if you heard this interview, uh, you'll want to hear it. That'll come up in next segment. I, I made the comment to him that uh, he was uh, a metrics person before metrics was cool. And you just li- listen to him rattle off, well, I'm going with Alabama. They have the number two rated offensive line, number three D running backs in the country. Last year, they- what? I know. And it's not just Alabama. Phil, talk about New Mexico State. Well, they returned 17 to 22 starters. Both kickers are back. They got a new wide receiver coach, but they recruited well. They finished eighth in their conference there. They, and their know, season I, I ticket sales are up 800 over last year. Exactly. And they're playing two games at noon. All right. So especially if you're a degenerate gambler like, uh, you know, Jeff Cameron, this is valuable information. All right. That's uh, coming up he in our gambles? first. gambles? So he says. Allegedly. Oh, I just meant I knew the other part. Segment, uh, the next segment after that will be our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, who we engaged. This is probably a month. It might have been after spring practice. We sort of took a look ahead to the 2017 football season. I don't remember. Did we make them pin down wins and losses? I think we were going to save and maybe do that as we got a little closer to camp. I can't remember if we did that or not, but that'll be a, a good uh, but conversation. But I think we did talk about them in general, at least. And then the final segment, this needs a little bit more of a setup, and we'll do it uh, when you hear the segment in its entirety, but we had Rick Cleveland on right around signing day, maybe the Monday before, maybe maybe signing day itself or the week prior. Uh, Rick Cleveland is a, is a long-term Hall of Fame sports writer in the state of Mississippi who uh, covered Cam Akers and can speak to any athlete, basically, historically, that's come out of the state of Mississippi in the last half century. So what he says about Cam Akers, you will find startling because he could not uh, effuse enough praise if that's a, a proper use of the English language. If you didn't know who uh, Cam was and you were an old-fashioned football mind, you would think he was talking about Bo Jackson or Herschel Walker. 
That's about what he. That's about what he said. Of course, his state championship game, he accounted for seven touchdowns, and also played cornerback at some point too. So uh, you'll want to listen to that interview because th- that interview occurred before spring practice. Then we saw him in spring practice, and the hype train has gotten rolling for Cam. Uh, so you'll want to do that. That's that's all coming up on the best of. Speaking of the best of. Madison Social, Township, Centrale, they're all tied for first on the best of list if you head down to uh, College Town and uh, Madison Street. Uh, we thank them for their support of this program. They've been with us uh, since the get-go, so a big tip of the cap to Matt Thompson as well as uh, all of our other sponsors. But uh, enjoy some good times there. During the summer months with the doors open, pretty nice place to be about 6, 6.30 moving forward. There you Any go. of those three. As they gear up for uh, what will be a big fall, no question. All right. The best of the front row rolls on right after this. Don't change the dial. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back, everybody. Keith Jones with you. Our next guest is one of the most respected analysts in all of college football. He's the publisher of Phil Steele's College Football Preview, the most accurate preseason magazine on the market. Uh, it, uh, and joining me via the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. It's my pleasure to welcome the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Phil Steele. Phil, how you doing? I am doing great, Keith. How about yourself this evening? Doing great. My partner, Tom Block, is, is away in Omaha. You might have heard of this little thing called the CWS, College World Series, that Florida State is playing in. Uh, so I am flying solo today. Uh, so you're with the second team. You'll have to uh, put me on your shoulders and carry me. Ah, Keith, I'm sure you're first team all the way. Big question. State of college football 2017. What's what's, uh, Phil Steele's 32nd uh, monologue on where we are? Uh, I think we're loaded this year with some teams at the top, and uh, I think it's going to be a great season, great playoffs down the line. And uh, let's face it, college football is the second number number two sport out there next to the NFL. So it's really been climbing throughout the years and very pleased to see college football get more popular each and every year uh your magazine i read correct me give me the most update uh hits newsstands i believe on the 27th uh some pre-orders have gone out and that type of thing but uh it's it's my bible uh and i don't know any true college football fan that can't get a copy of uh phil Steele's college football preview and not not read it cover to cover yeah and it, it comes out june the 27th officially at the newsstands it may hit some newsstands a little bit earlier than that but June 27th is the official day that's at Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Walgreens, Target, CVS, Publix, places like that. We have mailed out the, all the pre-ordered copies. So if you ordered it in advance, you probably have it in your hands already. And if you can't wait till June the 27th, you can actually download it to your iPad or iPhone, your Android device, or even your computer. Go to philsteel.com for more information on that. And let me ask you a question, Keith. During the course of the football season, how many times do you think you open that thing up every week? I open it up at least once every week. And when I was doing television for Fox uh, a couple, three years back, I probably opened it every day. Uh, I carried it with me. It, it, I carried it just like you would a, a team's media guide. It, it is that invaluable in terms of a source of information. Yeah, I like to feel it's like 130 media guides rolled into one. And the one complaint we get is 
at the end of the year, everybody's issue is all dog-eared because they use it so much for the course of the season. That's why you buy two, brother. You That's buy two, right. you put one in storage, and you use the other one. <laughs> there you go. Obviously, in Tallahassee, our focus is Florida State, so we'll start there. What do you see out of the Seminoles? Well, I'm bullish on Florida State this year. I was last year as well, and uh, you know when I talked to Coach Fisher over the summer, uh, last year when we were going over the team, it seemed like every time we'd finish a team, and I like to go over every single player at every single position, Every time we'd finish a position, the coach would say, boy, are we going to be good next year? Well, next year's here for Florida State, and uh, I like the talent level across the board. You look at that defense last year, you watch them at the start of the year, and you're not even thinking that's a Florida State defense, giving up 34, 63, 35, 37 points. But they got better as the season went on. Nine starters back on D. I think the biggest addition may be Derwin James. His loss early in the season, I thought, affected the defense overall. Could very well be their best defensive player. And offensively, you know, DeAndre Francois is a guy that was running for his life at times behind the offensive line, but I think the offensive line will be stronger. Francois now has experience. He's got, of course, plenty of talent to work with. You know, at running back, they lose a guy like Dalvin Cook, and it's probably my biggest question mark on the team. But they're replacing him with Cameron Akers, who is my number two running back out of high school this year, or Jock Patrick, who is my number three running back out of high school. So the talent level clearly there at the running back spot. Now, Florida State does play a tough schedule. They open up with Alabama in Atlanta. Nobody wants to play Alabama in the opening game of the season. Tide always wins that game. They also have to play Clemson on the road, and this is not a bad. I mean, Clemson lost to Sean Watson, but they are a national title contender. I'm going to go back to the fact that in the last two years, they've had four and three returning starters on defense. This year, they have seven. So that's going to be a nasty defense, a number one rated defensive line in the ACC, number one rated offensive line for that matter. And then they also have to play Florida on the road. But I think when you look at the overall talent Florida State has, even with those three tough games, I see Florida State winning the ACC this year and making the playoffs. All of us that do follow Florida State are convinced of one thing. We do not need to know, again, how tough DeAndre Francois is. So that offensive line, I think, is key for this this, this uh, program this year. Yeah, amazing how many times he took a hit, wobbled to the sideline, get back up, he's in on the next series. And uh, it definitely needs better protection. And how much more accurate of a passer would he have been with better protection? Didn't hit 60% last year? That I did. think he'll top that this year. What do you see out of the ACC? Florida State, Clemson, of course, but uh, you know, there's some other teams with some great talent in this conference. Yeah, and, and Clemson, I think, is Florida State's biggest challenge by far. I mean, like I mentioned, seven uh, starters back on the defense, my number one rated defensive line, number 12 linebackers. Uh, the only real question mark with them is going to be the quarterback position. I think they're fine at running back. I mean, they lose Gallman, who had 1,000 yards, but they got Tavian Feaster, C.J. Fuller, Adam Choice. Uh, they may have better numbers at the running back spot this year. The receiving core uh, loses Mike Williams, but they look solid with Renfro and Kane. So they're going to be a big-time threat. And, and right now, uh, Keith, in Vegas, Clemson is favored by four points over Florida State in that big game in Death Valley, uh, which takes place on November the 11th. Now, Louisville's a big-time question mark because last year Louisville was almost unstoppable on offense, and that's, of course, why Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy. But after averaging 49.6 points per game the first 10 games, how about just 19 points per game over the last three? All of a sudden that unstoppable offense became stoppable. They're going to need to regenerate that uh, uh what they had going on the offense last year and get it back going again, but they got seven returning starters on D. I've got them coming in third. If you're looking for a dark horse in the Atlantic, I'm going to go with NC State. I love teams with great defensive front sevens. NC State's got just that. Bradley Chubb, 
Contavia Street, B.J. Hill, Justice Jones, uh, Darian Ro- Roseboro. They're loaded up front. In fact, NC State has my number three rated defensive line in the country, number 34 linebackers. They have a veteran quarterback in Ryan Finley. And they get Clemson and Louisville at home, which could make them a dark horse team in the Atlantic. And out of the Coastal, which is always a crapshoot, isn't always a wide-open race. Never know. never know. It sure seems like that. I'm going to go with Miami of Florida this year. And once again, I'm going to go back to that defensive front seven. Their defensive front four got banged up last year, but still did extremely well. Chad Thomas, Kendrick Norton, R.J. McIntosh, Trent Harrison company, and then about the linebacking core, completely wiped out last year. They go with three what I call VHT or very very highly touted linebackers. All played as true freshmen last year. These guys are all now sophomores. I'm talking about Pinckney, Quarterman, McLeod. It's one of the best linebacking cores in the country. They have my number four D line, number seven linebackers, and the only real question mark. I think if Brad Kaya came back this year, Miami would be a top ten, maybe even a top five team coming into the season because of the supporting talent. Who's going to emerge at the quarterback spot? But Maybe this is finally the year, Keith, where Miami of Florida and Florida State actually meet in an ACC title game. Remember when they both joined the league, everybody said, well, they're going to meet the title game each and every year. Hasn't even happened yet. Miami's the culprit because they haven't even been to the ACC title game. I played them every year back in the 70s when I was a safety at Florida State, and that rivalry got to be unbelievable uh, as things progressed. First game out of the box for Florida State, some are saying, might be the most, the biggest, uh, greatest opening game in college football history. Don't know if I want to go that far, but Alabama, FSU, and Atlanta. What do you see? Uh, I, I think the key to this game, Keith, is going to be what we've talked about a little bit here, and that's that Florida State offensive line, because they're going to be taking on an excellent Alabama defensive front seven. If you see Alabama just dominate the line of scrimmage on that side of the ball, then I think the Tide win that one. And plus, they're very familiar, of course, with playing in Atlanta. But Florida State has the talent to play with Alabama. You look at these two teams, my power ratings have them all within two, three points of each other. And Florida State ranks in my top units in all eight position categories. In fact, their weakest unit on the team is the offensive line, but actually rated number 22 in the country. I think they will be much improved. So that, to me, is really going to be the key to the game. Both teams have experienced quarterbacks for once. Uh, Florida State's defense is going to be nasty. Alabama's defense is going to be nasty. I think that's going to be a great game. Do we make too much out of the uh, Saban-Fisher relationship, Jimbo, having worked for, for uh, Nick at LSU sometimes, you think? Uh, I, I think in this case you do because uh, both coaches want to win this one in the worst way, and I, I don't even think they'll uh, realize the other guys on the sidelines. They're just out there trying to win. Understood, understood. Well, you're you're the best in the business. Fast forward to uh, the end of the year. Who who do you have as the final four, and how do things map out according to Phil Steele? All right, Keith. Well, we talked about two of the teams I have in my final four already, one, of course, being Florida State, the other one being Alabama. And when I look at Alabama this year, I think they've got a great uh, chance of getting back to a, a title game. I'm not exactly going out of the box when I make that statement, but when I look at Bama, you know, defensively they have my number uh, six rated defensive line, number one set of linebackers, number two DBs. Offensively, my number two rated offensive line, number five receivers, best set of running backs in the country, and experienced quarterback for once. Toughest two games, Florida State out of the box. And then the Iron Bowl against Auburn at the end of the season. But I think Alabama is going to be favored in all 12 games this year. And I do pick them to make the playoffs. Then I'm going to go to the Big Ten. I'm going to take Ohio State. Now, Ohio State was probably a year early to the playoffs last year. They were the least experienced team in the country. They only had six returning, start- or six returning starters 
overall last season, yet they made the playoffs and then, of course, got shut out by Clemson. Not a good game. But this year, 15 returning starters. And remember J.T. Barrett back in 2014 was a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender. He's a guy that uh, got injured with two games to go in the season, then Cardell Jones took over and led the team to the national title. Well, now the new offensive coordinator is Kevin Wilson. I think Kevin Wilson comes in and gets J.T. Barrett back to that 2014 form. That's going to make him dangerous. Defensively, they are loaded up front on a defensive line with my number two rated D-line in the country. Linebackers and DBs both right at the top. Uh, Same thing with the offensive line. I rate number three. So if you're solid in the trenches, you're going to win a lot of games. Toughest games for Ohio State, they host Oklahoma. They do have to play Michigan on the road. And Michigan this year only has five returning starters, but by the time you get to Week 12, you're no longer an inexperienced team. And they might have to face a 12-0 Wisconsin in the Big 12 title game, but I still think Ohio State's favored in every single game. Gets to the playoffs, and here's an interesting stat for you, Keith. Uh, Urban Meyer has lost a grand total of three bowl games in his career. After he lost the first two, he won a national title both years. He's off a bowl loss. Will he make that three in a row? And finally, my number four playoff team, I'm going to go with USC. And the only question at USC at the start of last year, after they opened up one and three, was who's the next coach going to be? Because it sure as heck isn't going to be Clay Helton. Well, Clay Helton righted the ship. They won their last nine games. Two keys were a factor there. Sam Darnold came in at QB. It was an instant upgrade there. He's a mobile quarterback, throws well under pressure. And he's got a cannon for an arm. He's probably going to be the number one pick in next year's NFL draft. And then the defensive line. When I talked to Coach Helton this spring, he's very concerned about the inexperience up front on the defensive line. They got rolled over in the first couple of games. Remember the Alabama game in the opening game right, of the season? Right. But as the season went on, that defense developed some bite. They went into Washington back in November, and they dominated the line of scrimmage both offensively and defensively. And now almost the entire defense comes back. So this is a very good USC defense. You look at their toughest games, UCLA at home, at Notre Dame, They'll be favored in all 12 games this year. So those are the four teams that are making the playoffs. And I think if those four Blue Bloods all make it, we're going to have a heck of an exciting playoff season. Well, you know what the next question is. Who am I putting my money on? Well, I'm going to say that it's going to be Alabama versus Ohio State in that title game. And uh, I'm going to lean with Alabama. But uh, I'm excited about all four teams making the playoffs. And, you know, a lot of folks have asked me this year, Keith, they say, uh, if there's one coach that hasn't won a national title that can win it, who's going to be that next coach going to be? And I'm throwing out Clay Helton of USC. So I think all four teams in the playoffs would have a legitimate shot. Uh, because of time, and I know you could, won't talk about the outsiders, but just your last uh, comment, uh, Stoops stepping down at Oklahoma. Um, does does that, that surprise you, and how does that affect that program? It surprises me, but I don't think it's going to affect them this year. Stoops guided them through the spring practice, which is always good to have that knowledge of a steady head coach like that getting you through the spring. Their offense coordinator is still in place with Lincoln Riley, who now, of course, is also the head man. The defense coordinator is still in place with Mike Stoops. They have the best offensive line in the country. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Baker Mayfield. And defensively, I thought they underachieved last year, but they've got the bulk of the team back on defense and should be much improved. You look at their schedule, they do have to play Oklahoma State on the road, which is going to be difficult. Kansas State, Bill Snyder, always tough. And, of course, Ohio State on the road, which is one of the reasons I kept them from making the playoffs. But I picked them to win, to win the Big 12. Then Stoops stepped down after the magazine was sent to the press. I'm still uh, sticking with it and picking them to win the Big 12 this year. 
Phil, there was a country singer named Barbara Mandrell. She had a, a song out that said she was country before country was cool. Uh, we talk about uh, metrics and the hidden numbers, and uh, I tell people all the time, Phil Steele was, was metrics before metrics was cool. We appreciate your time. You are, without question, the best. I really appreciate that, Keith, and always enjoy our conversations each and every year, buddy. You take care, and we'll talk to you next year. All right. Thanks, Keith. A lot of fun. Thanks, brother. Phil Steele, publisher of Phil Steele's College Football Preview. His uh, newsstand's on the 27th, but if, as he mentioned, if you want to download a PDF copy, uh, go to his website. And uh, I hate that he doesn't have Florida State in that final game, Matthew, but I respect the fact that uh, Florida State uh, is in the conversation, and uh, he, he is as good as good gets. We'll see how it uh, works out. So we're going to wrap up, so what's this, segment number four, and then we'll do a time check, see how much I've got left. We'll come back and finish up here on the front row. Thanks for hearing us. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from. 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on the Front Row. Tom and KJ and our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld as we return to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Tim, let's talk some football because that's what we do when the temperature gets hot in Tallahassee and we know that it's been hot. So the player who is most key to Florida State's on-field success in 2017 is? I think it's DeAndre Francois. Uh, not, to, not to go too obvious with the quarterback there, but you know, yeah, I, I think it's definitely him, especially – this year with Dalvin Cook no longer in the fold, I think you, you might see Florida State lean on the passing game a little bit more. I know we're all excited about, about Cam Akers and, and Jock Patrick and the one-two punch that they could bring to the backfield. But you, you'd also like to see DeAndre build on uh, the promise he showed in his redshirt freshman year and take another step forward and, and sort of really develop into the offensive leader. Uh, and if they get if, they, if he can do that, and look, he was really good last year. If, if he can be a little bit better and, and, and in the process bring some of those other young receivers along, uh, I think that's probably the, the the biggest deal for the Florida State football team, and then that obviously ignores uh, a lot of the defense. And there are some uh, some big factors at play there as well. But to me, it's the, the one guy, and then you know you roll your eyes at the quarterback selection, but it's, uh, it's DeAndre Francois. The single one biggest thing DeAndre has to do in order to accomplish that, and I have an opinion. I'll let you go first. Uh, well, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear yours. Uh, I mean, I would like to see him. Well, one uh, become a little bit more aware in the pocket. We're, we're all aware of of how many hits he took and, and some of the, the big shots he took. And, and while they, you know, they, they weren't all his fault, but some of them I think were, we can all agree, were the result of him maybe hanging on to the ball a little too long, um, and, and which speaks to his toughness. I don't want to make that out to be a bad thing, but you know, he has to preserve himself a little bit better. Uh, I'd also like to see him tighten up his accuracy a little bit, of, particularly on the, the short and intermediate throws. Uh, you sometimes saw, especially not as if he doesn't have the arm strength, but just for one reason or another, uh, sometimes he looks like he was out of out of sync with his uh, his receivers on some of those types of throws, uh, and those are where you can kind of pick up you know some uh, some easier yardage, some uh, sort of get you into a rhythm, get you into a routine, and, and pick up a couple first downs in the process, and then hit the big play. I think if you become more consistent on those, uh, I think that you know the the other big plays will follow. 
I don't worry personally so much about the accuracy because I think that makes its biggest improvement between first year starting and second year starting. But I do agree with you. Get the ball out. And, and even even if it's to get the ball out to throw it away, throw it at somebody's feet, throw it over their head, throw it in the end zone. Don't take the hits and the punishment. I'm I'm not interested in revisiting how tough he is. That's been established. I want him to have a nice clean jersey at the end of every game. I agree with that completely. And, and again, you know, look, it, that that falls on on the offensive line, and, and you know, Florida State I think has some work to do to figure out their starting five this fall, and and you know, for those guys to do their job, uh, do their do their parts in keeping his jersey clean. But uh, he bears some of that responsibility too. And and look, I'm sure he's heard that. Uh, just about every day from the end of the season to now, so you know you like to think that that's a, a priority for him, and and uh, and you know hopefully we'll see that moving forward. And, and you, you kind of mentioned the improvements from from the first year to start of the second year. I think that that sort of pocket awareness and the mental side of the game uh, is something that comes along pretty nicely for guys uh, as they develop as well. So I, I do think he certainly is capable of doing it. I expect him to do it, but it's uh, you know it, it's on the checklist for the fall, if you will. The answer is yes or no. You can explain afterwards. Question is. Are we as Florida State fans any wiser or smarter this year as opposed to last year about putting unrealistic expectations on the performance of our defense? Wow. Can you repeat the question? No. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you asked that in yes-no fashion, did you? I made a statement. You should go yes or no. <laughs> I'm confused. You're, you're, I'm, I can't follow this. Uh, so – what he's asking is, uh, <laughs> we've got this expectation this year, uh-huh. 2017, about our defense. Okay. We had the same freaking expectation last year in 2016. And that expectation was not met until the last third or fourth of the season. Are we setting ourselves up for a repeat performance? Uh, I don't think so. I think they're going to be really good this year. And look, I think they should have been as good as we thought they were going to be last year. And nobody wants to hear it, but you really can't overstate the significance of Derwin James and what type of player he is, not just what he does on the field, but then I think the, the sort of the confidence that he inspires uh, in his teammates, knowing that he's back there and, you know, a real lead by example type of a guy. Uh, and, and I think it took them a, a little while to get comfortable with that. So I do think the defense is going to be better than it was last year. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that with the caveat that but you're not, you're not better without Demarcus Walker, right? I mean, he was a fantastic player who had a great senior season, so they're not going to be better without him, but, when you look at who they have uh, uh, on that defensive end depth chart and some of the players that are that are coming up into their second and third years, uh, Brian Burns, Josh Sweat, uh, Jalen Wilkerson was a, a player who got a lot of praise this spring, sort of raised some eyebrows. Uh, couple that with Jacob Pugh, who I think was a surprise selection as the Heinzman Award winner in the spring, which is goes to the, the most dominant player of spring practice. Uh, you know, when, when guys who, if you go back and look at the history of the Heinzman Award, guys who win that award in the spring. Uh, typically they don't they don't disappear in the fall. They don't make you wonder how they ever won that thing in the fall. They usually go on and have a, have really nice seasons. So uh, you got to be excited to see what he can do. And I know he's more of a, of a hybrid player uh, that can play defensive end or linebacker. So, but you're not going to just completely replace Demarcus Walker's leadership or production. But you have some guys who can soften the blow. So I think that coupled with the return of Derwin James, uh, yeah, I do think the defense is going to be better. And, and look, the play in Alabama in the first game of the season, uh, that's going to be a heck of a test, and it might not show immediately. But I do think overall, really, it might not even be close. I think the defense would be a lot better. Derwin James, in some circles, is talked about as the best college football player in the country. Feels a little premature to anoint him to that, given he was injured uh, last year. But nobody's going to question that he's a freak of an athlete. So who do you think, uh, what can he become? What is he? Uh, And I'm talking historically from a Florida State perspective there, Tim. 
Well, and when you to, to take it back to you talking about the best player in college football, uh, based on what is it based on potential and ceiling? Uh, then yeah, I think in terms of sheer athleticism, what we know that he is able to do, uh, he might be now based on his actual production. I mean, there's there's almost no way that you can say that given that he didn't play for. 90% of last season. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I look at and, and see some of the, the great safeties from the, uh, the early 2000s, the, the Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu's guys who and they were safeties in name, Polamalu especially, safeties in name, uh, but that didn't really suggest what they, they did on the field. And I think Derwin, you, know, you saw in his freshman year, the way they like to use him, um, it sort of follows in that mold. I mean, he's, he's really a, a defensive utility player that can play – whatever you need him to do given a, a certain situation. Now, he can rush the passer. He can play linebacker. I mean, I, I think you can make a case, guys, that he could play nine of the 11 positions on defense with the exception of the two interior linemen spots. And I, I don't know that I would bet against him if he said he wanted to try that. And so Always go uh, rabbit. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and so when you, uh, when you have somebody like that, I mean, gosh, I, it, it's hard to say, you know, best defensive player in school history because there have been so many just unbelievable, you know, pro football Hall of Fame defensive players that come through Florida State. But maybe most versatile, uh, most capable, uh, I, h- highest ceiling, I, I think that's, that's absolutely appropriate to say. I do think one thing, and you guys are both well aware of this, but when Dion's name gets brought up, not in regard to Derwin, but just in terms of being an all-time great, if you've been around the program you know that he was an incredibly hard worker and Mickey might tell you he's the hardest working player he ever had. And so I bring that up to say that when you hear the current staff talk about Derwin, not that they compare him to Dion, but they tell you that this guy will work as hard as anybody and would show up at Walmart at two in the morning if you told him there was going to be a football game there. So that ability with that work ethic tends to be a pretty good combination. And that's a dynamic that Jimbo really likes to talk about is what a luxury it is as a coach when your best players are also your hardest workers, and it isn't always that way. But uh, you know, when, when your guy who has the most talent also sets the standard at practice or in the weight room, it's a lot easier to get the other guys to fall in line, and that's a pretty underrated aspect uh, of Derwin's game. I'm going to go back to the offense because this is where I see it more. But to me, the biggest question mark for this team is offensive leadership because Derwin's the clear defensive leader. I think we've had this discussion before and you know, your quarterback can be that guy, but Deandre is sort of quiet by nature. Who are the offensive leaders going to be on this team, Tim? Oh, that's a good question. And I think that's something that, you know, honestly, we're going to have to sort of wait and see. You would like for it to be uh, a, a Deandre Francois. You want it to be a quarterback and maybe that's something that he could do uh, over the summer and into the fall. I know that's something that, that he said he really wanted to take ownership of in the spring and that he's working on becoming more vocal and, and, and being more the, the player that, that people look to. You know, I wonder maybe if, if somebody on the offensive line, one of the veteran guys there, uh, could, could turn out to be one of those types of players, whether it's a, you know, an Alec Everly or a Rick Leonard, somebody who's an upper class and has been there a while, could, could maybe you know, step into that role. Uh, I would also look at maybe Ryan Izzo, uh, the tight end who's been there for a while and, and really was perhaps the most consistently praised member of the whole team during the spring. I think Jimbo called him Mr. Steady Eddie, which is a pretty good nickname uh, for, for a guy like that. So uh, those are some candidates that I think uh, could could be, but I, I really do, you know, think we're sort of going to have to wait and see, you know, how things develop this fall because, uh, you know, like you said, without Dalvin being there, and, and, and look, Dalvin was pretty quiet by nature too, but you saw in, in some of those locker room clips, some of the, the stuff that Showtime did last year, uh, he eventually kind of grew into a role as, as a player in the locker room to, to tell guys what's what and sort of set that standard. And so it can be learned. It can be grown into. It doesn't always come naturally for everybody. But, you know, I think players, you know, they, they one, they have to want to embrace it. And, two, they have to 
first to, I think, handle, you know, make sure that they're handling their business on the field because you know, it, it's hard to get up in your teammates' grill and, and call them out for something when you're not handling your own business. So if, uh, if a guy can, can one, want to do it, and two, uh, be that type of player on the field, then, you know, he has, uh, I think, two of the, the important requisites to sort of fill that role. Tim, changing gears just a little bit, uh, schedule. Uh, I think this 2017 football schedule sets up pretty nicely for a run towards the national championship. Your thoughts? Yeah, I do too. Uh, you know, the the Alabama game. Uh, you know, there's been some discussion on on the Twitter sphere among FSU fans. Uh, you know how how important is the Alabama game? And, and some folks are you know, saying to people, always, you know, it's really not that important. They got this other game, this other game, this game. And, and then, you know, to be honest with you guys, I, I kind of hate that. It's like, man, the, the, the whole fun of college football is getting these big matchups. Don't tell me in May, oh, it's actually not a big game. Well, of course it's a big game. And you know, I would bet my shirt that it's a, a one-versus-two matchup. Uh, really sets the tone for the rest of the season. Uh, but on that same note, neither team that loses that game, and, and one team is going to lose it, uh, neither team that loses that game is going to be completely knocked out of the college football playoff, save for if it were just a, a huge blowout in, uh, in either direction. And even then, I'm not so sure that uh that you'd be eliminated so so i agree with you uh on on that point that uh you get your your toughest game probably your toughest game out of the way you get louisville at home uh, you get clemson at home that's a, that's a really big deal uh or excuse me i'm sorry you get uh, clemson on the road louisville at uh at home and uh so louisville and miami at home i'm sorry getting my uh, my schedules mixed up but you, you're, we're talking point, fsu football here tim do you, I know. Well, do you, you know need me to email the scheduler i think you can uh, find it on seminoles.com so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look, it's still the middle of May, and the baseball team just finished up playing at Louisville. You get, you get a little mixed up here. My, my brain's getting uh, getting tricky in my old age. Anyway, you uh, get Clemson on the road, but Miami and Louisville at home. And, and you know, look, after last year, you're going to have to go through Louisville to win the Atlantic Division uh, as well as Clemson. So uh, having those games here, I think, is, is, uh, is a pretty nice luxury. Uh, and they're kind of spaced out nicely. I think if, if you can get through that first month of the season where you play you know, Alabama, um, Miami, get those games, uh, you know, kind of out of the way and if you can survive them uh then all of a sudden things lighten up just a little bit in october and november tim we appreciate your insight as always by the way if fsu beats alabama and i know that's not going to be what the the general uh, populist pick is wouldn't the sec just have to disband if alabama lost two consecutive games to an acc team i mean (laughs) i mean they would just pack up the conference right they'd go to the big 12 turn the network off i mean we're done here right I can't say for sure, but uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that there would be some way to uh, to explain it away and, and, and move on for them. Yeah, probably because Alabama would win the next 12 or 13 games and be right back in the championship That would be game. part of it for yeah, sure. Yeah, Tim, appreciate it. He is our yeah, Seminoles.com yeah. insider. Tim Linnefelt does a great job uh, covering uh, Florida State for us. Uh, Keith, we're going to uh, expand the conversation to ACC momentarily. And get another uh, nice addition to the show revisiting us. We will do that after I tell you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, you can go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. Andrew Adelson from ESPN.com joins us right after this. We'll talk ACC. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
Welcome back to the Front Row National Signing Day edition. Florida State with another great class. Tom and Keith back with you. And as we return to the Earl Bacon Agency Hotline, we've got uh, a gentleman who's going to join us who's truly an expert in terms of uh, the great athletes that have come through the state of Mississippi. We've talked at length about Cam Akers. Uh, This is someone who's seen Cam play. He's the former executive director and current historian for the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, writes for the Mississippi Today. If you're from those parts, he was the longtime sports editor and columnist of the uh, Clarion Ledger in Jackson. So, uh, And he's also headed into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame later this year. So congratulations to you as we welcome Rick Cleveland to the program. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining us for a few minutes. I, You know, I, I set out when I reached out to you, I wanted to find somebody who is sort of been there seen that and and as best i can tell that that applies to you in terms of i think probably a half century of of covering athletics and high school athletics in the state of mississippi uh, so let well, me well if you're if you're saying i'm old then you are correct no, I, I didn't say it that way i just i okay. was just giving you All credit right. for being experienced there you go <laughs> welcome to my world <laughs> yeah I'm going to share this now. A lot of our listeners are, are diehard recruit Knicks, and so they would be aware of, of the game that Cam Akers had in his state championship game. Uh, but others, and I'd put myself in this category, I'm more of a, a fringe follower of recruiting. I trust that the coaching staff knows who they're signing and what they're getting. But there's been quite a buzz about Cam Akers. So I want to, I want to read your own words that you penned after seeing Cam Akers' uh, seven-touchdown performance in that high school championship game. So you wrote... Uh, these eyes saw Walter Payton play at Columbia High School. These eyes saw Marcus Dupree play at Philadelphia. They saw Jarius Norwood play at Brandon, Deuce McAllister at Morton, and Jimmy Johns at Brookhaven. But these eyes have never seen a better Mississippi high school football player than Cam Akers, Clinton's 17-year-old wonder kid whom I saw in person for the first time here on Thursday night. And so I'll stop there because that's a mouthful and a lot to digest, but you are someone who's seen the best of the best come through Mississippi. What is it that makes Cam Akers jump to the front of that pack? Well, uh, if you look at him, uh, you know, body-wise, he, he's built like Walter Payton, uh, you know, through the legs and uh, trunk. I mean, he's got speed. He can run around you. He can uh, run through you. He's got strength to run through you like, Walter had. Uh, he uh, can get from zero to as fast as he gets really fast. Uh, and uh, on, on top of all that, he is, I don't know how much the halfback pass has been part of Florida State's repertoire, but it's Probably gonna be because he can. He's uh, he was the best passer in Mississippi this year too. He can really throw it. Uh, I mean, really throw it. And uh, and on top of that, you know, they always if they were in a if Clinton was in a difficult situation, uh, close game, and uh, needed a stop, uh, they put him in at cornerback and locked him on the best receiver. I mean, he's 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 that type of athlete. Rick, my era is in the late 70s when I had the privilege of playing for Florida State and Coach Bowden, and, and uh, it was a little bit before Dupree came along. And, and obviously with his knee injury, maybe some expectations not uh, uh, realized. But uh, if you would, you, you talked about Walter. How, how does Cam compare to, to Marcus in terms of uh, where they were at at the same period coming out of their high well, schools? Well, it, it, it's really a hard 
comparison to make because Marcus played in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And so he was playing against uh, 2A, 3A competition, and he was always the biggest, strongest, fastest guy on the field. Uh, Cam is playing in 6A football uh, in the toughest district of 6A football in the state. Uh, a district that's going to have a lot of Division One prospects. A lot of guys are going to be signing that he played against every Friday night. A lot of guys are going to be playing uh, that signing Division One scholarships. And uh, so he he can play it against a lot better competition than than Marcus did. That said, uh, Marcus was every bit as fast, if not faster, and was bigger. Than Cam, the the biggest biggest difference is, uh, you know, Marcus didn't play defense and he couldn't throw. Uh, Cam Cam can do it all. He he is, as I said in that piece that you you were reading from. He's the he's the best high school football player that I've ever seen, and I've seen you know the best that have come through Mississippi, uh, including Peyton and Rice, and Dupree and Favre, and you know. A whole whole bunch of them. A guy you probably remember, Reggie Collier. Uh, <laughs> Played against him. Yeah. yeah. Not fond memories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, mean, I, I was at that game, by the way, the one where he, God, ran for about 200 and threw for another 200, and they scored 59 or something like that. Appreciate the nightmares. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I'm saying is he's the best I've ever seen, and from all uh, accounts and everybody I've talked to who's who's close to him, he has the uh, the work ethic that separates. And, and you know this, you play that. There's something that separates the 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 really good or even great players from the elite players, and that's the work ethic and what they put into it. And just like Walter was always the last guy to come in from the practice field and Jerry Rice was always the last guy Cam's that guy we're talking with Rick Cleveland uh, longtime sports editor and columnist uh, for the Clarion Ledger and Jackson uh, I guess the most decorated sports journalist in Mississippi history so he's seen them all and, and we're getting some perspective on Cam Akers I, well I'll, I'll get to the quarterback thing in a moment how big of a shock was it that he left the state of Mississippi and, and is it still uh, sitting in the craw of of Ole Miss fans uh, at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and you know, I, you, it's hard to you know to to do what ifs. But if if Ole Miss didn't have the NCAA thing lingering over him, he would have. Been, I, I think he would have been harder for Florida State to get. Let's put it that way. Uh, he's. Uh, but yeah, he was. He was. He was who they focused on he was who Ole Miss really wanted and they thought he was the the missing piece of their offensive puzzle they've you know they've got the five-star quarterback they've got five-star receivers all over the place and and then you know but what they lacked was that that kind of difference maker at running back so yeah it, it stung Ole Miss really bad what kind of kid is Cam I, I don't know how much interaction you've had with him well, I've had a pretty good bit with him, uh, and he's a very polite, uh, nice uh, 
nice kid. Uh, uh, I don't, I, don't, I he, you know, I, I'm not with him every day. I don't know, you know, what he's like on Saturday night, but, you know, when I talk to him, he's been as polite and, uh, you know, always has a smile on his face. Uh, uh, he loves Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Most of the young ones do, you know. So, uh, I, you know, if I, I don't, I don't have anything. Uh, I've never heard anything negative said about him, other than from Ole Miss fans that that he shouldn't have told us he was coming if he if he wasn't, you know. How, what's his personality around teammates in terms of being a leader on the field? Is he very a- very popular around teammates? Uh, uh, and he was on, you know, he was. He he made a, a, a what would have been a, a a good team into a great team at Clinton. He had some he had some pretty talented teammates. You talked about his ability to throw. Uh, you know, if you were you were in the position of advising Jimbo as to where to put him, is running back where he needs to stay, or, or do do we need to look at him using being used a little bit at the quarterback position somehow? Well, well I certainly would use him in the, in a wild in you know wildcat situation, but I, I you know, and I don't. I don't know what Florida State's situation is at quarterback. I'm just telling you, if they wanted to play him at quarterback, they certainly could, and they and he would he would be a, a very good one. I think that he thinks his future is as a running back beyond college football, and that's I think that's why he wants to play running back. Rick Cleveland is our guest from the state of Mississippi. I'm I'm racking my brain here because you probably have anecdotes uh, from your days covering him, so. Florida State Seminoles from Mississippi. Terrell Buckley's probably at the top of the list. Uh, Mario Edwards was from there. Kez McCorvey. Those are the three names that jump out on the football side. KJ, fill in some blanks for me. Again. Uh, th- those are the three that were on the top of my tongue. <laughs> yeah, those are those are the three that I w- would have mentioned. It seemed like there was a big offensive lineman uh, at one point that was playing there, but I, I the name escapes me. Well, there was a quarterback that uh, went the other way in the state of Florida. Shane Matthews was from uh, from over in your parts too, right? Oh yeah. Well, there's been several. Uh, uh, was it Jack Jackson? Is that his name? The uh, wide receiver from Pascagoula. Yeah, played for Florida. It played down. Yeah. yeah, played for the Gators. Uh, and uh, but but the ones you mentioned for Florida State, which you know it, it's really unusual, but. I mean, Tallahassee's not that far from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. You would you would think there might have been more through the years. Yeah, that's a good point. And Florida State does get into Louisiana or tries to if LSU will let them and and goes into Texas too. Uh, but it's tough, as you know. Uh, I mean, that that's I think part of what the big story is about Cam is not just his talent, but that he actually left his home state, which uh, I'm guessing doesn't happen very often for the stars that are coming out of the state of Mississippi. They're either going to be uh you know at Ole Miss or Mississippi State. There was a period, uh, a period of time in the '80s and '90s when a lot of kids were losing, the, uh, were leaving the state. Uh, the Clarion Ledger has what they call the Dandy Dozen, and I remember one year that eleven of the twelve left the state. But since uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss have leveled the playing field as far as facilities, I mean they're. Their indoor facilities and weight rooms and locker rooms and everything are. I mean, there may be some bigger, I mean, there are bigger stadiums other places, 
that there's no nicer uh, facilities like that than what State and Ole Miss have, and 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 they've kept kept them at home a lot better since then. Um, I think Tim is probably the first top player that's left the state in several years. Well, Rick, we appreciate you giving some uh, perspective uh, to our to our listeners as to what Florida State has in in Cam Acres, and you know, I mentioned at the top that. You've been doing this for 50 years. I didn't tell our listeners that you're only 56 years old. You got an early start. So <laughs> I loved, I loved, well, I, uh, only, I loved how you I got that first job. Years, um, <laughs> y'all are going to love him. I'm telling you, there's not, there's nothing about Cam uh, not to like. I mean, he, he, he plays hard and he's a superb athlete. He works hard. He's a good kid. There's nothing not to like. Well, that is good to hear. Thanks so much uh, for the for the perspective. Congratulations again on going into the Hall of Fame. I think it's the first weekend in August this year. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate it. All righty. Rick Cleveland, who is a, a legend uh, in Mississippi, won numerous national, regional, and state sports writing awards. I guess, uh, you know, Keith, you and I are racking our brain. Probably Bill Buckhalter is the comparison on the uh, state of Florida side in terms of somebody who's – you know. Bill was out there covering everything long before well, he had all the recruiting websites. Bill, Bill was covering it when I was in high school because well, he would come over to Wildwood and watch practice, and I had the opportunity to visit with him some, my dad especially. And uh, since he was, you know, quote-unquote next door in Orlando, Bulkhalter was probably the uh, the dean uh, or at least the, the beginning of what we now call the recruiting coverage and uh, a very good friend. Thanks to Rick Cleveland once again. Hey, I need to remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. One more segment to go as we wrap things up here on the front row, a National Signing Day edition, and we'll do that after we do this. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. As we finish up, we uh, thank you for your uh, loyal listenership of The Front Row. That was the best of... In some people's minds, it, it may have been merely mediocre, but we, we figured we'd bring it your way once again anyway. By our estimation, it was the best of. How about that? I tell you one thing. When you think about those interviews, uh, starting with Phil Steele, I'm ready for football season. I'm ready to download the PDF version of his magazine so I don't have to tote that thing around in my briefcase like I used to have to. What day is opening day uh, against Alabama? September what? Help me out here. I'm, uh, I'm looking it's at the Atlanta. Camera. It's in the new September second, and yeah. so we're July fifth. So we're we're less than two months away, but we're still basically two, two months, months away. away. Yeah, because you know, and you get excited in August, and then it's nothing but. I was going to call it two a days practice reports that just drag on. Fall and camp, fall camp reports. And by the way, two a days have gone away. I know that's you why I not have dual sessions anymore. That's why I caught myself there before I before I said that. Uh, the football excitement will ratchet up. Uh, this was announced several months ago, but the ACC actually got in the front of the uh, conference, 
Media Days line this year. They're holding their ACC kickoff uh, a week from today, actually, will be up in Charlotte. The meat of it is uh, on Thursday and Friday. For all the years that I spent beating the drum to say we need to move the thing to Charlotte, this is year two in a row in Charlotte, so thank you, ACC. You, More, you and the staff uh, talking on a first-name basis and, and uh, constantly now, uh, Swafford, rather. The ninja. He's listening to you. Yeah, he's sometimes he and I, what did you call it before? Direct message. Sometimes he and I just text message on the iPhone, which turned 10, by the way. Had, to go, had to go there, didn't you? Um, we will have a show uh, before we leave town. But among the things that happens at the ACC kickoff is the preseason conference player of the year is picked. The, uh, the, the team is picked to win it. Quick thought, is FSU going to be that pick or no? Uh, I, they will be my pick. I don't know that they will be uh, everyone's pick. I think there's a great deal of um, thought that with Lamar Jackson coming back as quarterback for Louisville, you you can't discount um, uh, the Cardinals. Uh, so it won't surprise me if in within the ACC framework, because of the way that voting works, uh, that Louisville was picked ahead of Florida State, but not by the national media, I wouldn't think. Yeah, I would think it would be Clemson if somebody's picked ahead of FSU, even without – I'm just talking about in the division. Right. In terms of overall, uh, I think the other part is I think there's thought that Clemson's lost so many people that maybe they, there's just no way they can be as good as they've been in the past. Well, specifically, they lost to Sean Watson. And we'll talk, we can talk more about this next week. But when you look back at every national champ, you know, recently, really, save for Alabama, they've had a dynamic quarterback, whether it was Cam at Auburn whether it was Vince Young at Texas, whether it was Jameis in FSU, whether it was Deshaun in Clemson. I mean, it and with takes the exception a, of Deshaun, they've been first-year starters, it, which is a negative against Alabama with Jalen coming back. So who knows? Oh, and Florida State with DeAndre coming Exactly. Back. So who, who knows? I do know this. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. They've got two locations to choose from. 1110 Stuckey Avenue, 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Phone number 580-1200. You can visit them online at ctf.nu. We thank them for their loyal uh, sponsorship of this program, along with uh, Hobson Chevrolet, Prime Meridian Bank, Madison Social, who we mentioned uh, earlier, the Earl Bacon Agency, Seminoles.com, and we're out of time. We have friends. We do have friends. Hopefully they're still our friends when it comes time to re-up. What do you think? I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> Hopefully they're on vacation, not listening right now. (laughs) All right, we will be back and uh, Simply Average again next week. Again, uh, have a continued safe uh, 4th of July week, everybody. Talk to you soon. 